We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack-A-Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack-A-Day Podcast. And remember, you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always check us out at cheeseheadtv.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Andrew Mertig and Maggie Loney. Not the way we wanted to be talking about the end of a game today, you guys, but how are you guys feeling? Well, I told myself that I wasn't going to let football affect my mood now that I'm a grown adult and a parent, but it did affect my mood a little bit, but then I was able to just kind of <laughs> kind of yeah. sweep it yeah. aside and, and move on from it. I'm not used to going first now. I, I kind of actually got used to Andrew going first and spicing things up. So my takes are not good now when I have to start. That I thought it was a, it was a good start. Uh, you know, we <laughs> we try to be the comfort for people in these trying times. Kyle and I have done enough really bad crushing losses uh, to be used to that. But yeah, I always say like. I'll give myself about five minutes to be really down after the game. And it helps that, you know, we have the script and then there's like tons of fantasy football and prize picks and all those fun things going on around it. Um, yeah, certainly a bummer of a loss. I have a coworker who is a colossal Atlanta Falcons fan. We've been going back and forth all week, kind of like decorating each other's offices, if you will. Um, and we have a bet that the loser has to win the opposing team's jersey to our staff meeting this week. So I'll be rocking what I am sure is a uh, really fun throwback Atlanta Falcons jersey on Thursday. So wow. Uh, I will try not to have any like treats or coffee during that staff meeting so I don't do like the Green Bay Packers and choke. I thought you were going to say and like spill all over I was, the Yeah, jersey. that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Because that would be, I mean, you know. Choke. Yeah, I mean, we get the joke, but we just didn't think you were going that I thought you were going to spill it. on someone's jersey, and I was like, that's kind of yeah, rude. That is kind of <laughs> rude, but I mean, you know. Let's talk about this game. We were on the rails, and then we lost it. But the Packers, that's what we're here to talk about. They, unfortunately, did fall to the Atlanta Falcons on the road in a heartbreaker that felt like it should have been a win for Green Bay. The final score, Atlanta 25, Green Bay 24. 
obviously not what we were hoping for, but it's a long season. There's a lot of good that came out of this game. There are also plenty of disappointments, lots to unpack here. So we're here to talk about all of it. And as Andrew said, in some ways, be your counselor as you begin your week, as you wrestle with what to do with what we saw on our television screens on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, so we started off the first half with the Packers getting the ball and starting with some trickery. We saw a flea flicker that forced A.J. Terrell to just tackle Dontavian Wicks, and the Packers are off and running. Uh, Luke Musgrave not settling in the zone, and so there was a throw that looked like Love missed him, but really that's on Luke Musgrave. There was a false start, a tip screen pass that leads to a field goal attempt, but there was a delay of game penalty absolutely inexcusable that cannot happen and then the Packers have to punt or kick a really really long field goal on the road which they didn't want to do so they did punt um Kenny Clark ends up with tremendous pressure on the next drive that leads to a Rasul interception so despite that uh disappointing start in the first drive the Packers get the ball right back and then they get on the second offensive drive a big loss on second down uh on a run to Emmanuel Wilson and then a sack on a blitz where Walker absolutely just missed his blocking assignment. Uh, So the Falcons go on a 15-play, 67-yard drive where they were efficient. They ran some creative plays, but the Packers buckle up at the goal line and hold them to a field goal. Yeah, it was weird. The Packers' offense and defensive units started the game in kind of totally opposite ways, right? The offense was an absolute train wreck, just could not get out of their own way. And then the defense kind of saved the game from going sideways in a big hurry right out of the gate. That goal line stand was absolutely huge. So getting out of that spot, only giving up three points was absolutely the best case scenario if you were watching that play out. I thought the defense and the Packers defensive playmakers really showed up early in this game and it was feeling really, really, you know, optimistic about the way that they were going to impact this game. Yeah, so the Packers down 3-0, but then they respond with an 11-play, 84-yard touchdown drive. I thought this was really well-balanced. Luke Musgrave looked great. They had that really nice boot uh, to the right. Love hits Musgrave. He catches really naturally on a third down, turns that upfield, and turns it into a big game. You get a good challenge of the play by Lafleur on the Dylan first down run. I didn't really think they should have had to waste a challenge there. The officials totally screwed that one up. And then Jaden Reed gives Jordan Love the easiest passing touchdown he's going to have <laughs> uh, so far in his career, at least. The Falcons respond going on an eight-play, 42-yard drive, but end up turning it over on downs. Jair had the fourth down pass in his hands, but couldn't complete the catch for a, I think it would have been a walk-in pick six. He would have only had to outrun Tyler Algier, and I like Algier, but he ain't catching Jair. Uh, The Packers then go on a 10-play, 44-yard drive, very methodical, but it stalls in the red zone, and Anders Carlson makes the game 10-3. The Falcons come back with an 11-play, 75-yard touchdown drive, a healthy dose of B. John Robinson, and a key fourth down eventually led to a Drake London touchdown, Uh, but young way Koo does miss the extra point yeah I mean some of this play calling was just bizarre from Joe Barry like you knew the entire game plan was going to hinge on Robinson and Algier so the defensive game plan it just left so much to be desired you know the the fourth down conversion the Falcons did the Packers a favor honestly in the first half with how much they threw the ball because I was not expecting them to go that heavy of a passing attack from Arthur, Arthur Smith with Desmond Ritter I mean 
Drake London didn't have a catch last week. It was all screen game. So the way that the defense was kind of sniffing out some of those screens early, I was like, wow, okay, like turnovers abound. Like this is going to be a defensive set the tone. And then Desmond Ritter actually played really well and looked really good. So if only the Packers had capitalized on numerous turnover opportunities, then obviously we're all singing a different tune on the podcast tonight. Yeah, and we can go more into this later, but it was curious that the times the Packers actually did get Atlanta into third downs, they were often playing the much maligned off coverage uh, and allowing the Falcons receivers to get in on easy slants. Uh, so that you know continues to be a frustration of this defense, and whether it is the play calling or the execution or more accurately, probably a combination of the two uh, cannot happen going forward. Anyways, the Falcons get the ball first in the second half. They do go three and out, three straight Desmond Ritter incompletions, uh, including the near interception by Quay Walker. Again, Packers unable to capitalize on opportunities, but they do respond. They go six plays, 65 yards. That is capped off by a 32-yard touchdown pass to Dontavian Wicks. The Falcons then just start pounding the ball and grinding it out. 13 plays, 60 yards. The Packers were getting gashed, but they do get bailed out by the touchdown reversal because Matt Collins' heel came down out of bounds, supposedly, and mm-hmm. then Koo converts the field goal. It's 17 to 12. Good guys at this point. The Packers go 78 yards in just four plays. A huge pass interference against Trey Flowers leads to Jaden Reed's second touchdown of the game. The Packers take a 24 to 12 lead. Yeah, I mean, it was such a bummer to see Quay miss that one, especially after he capitalized against Fields last week. Led the team still with 17 tackles, but you know that that's kind of the thing that's in his mind in all of this. It's early. Obviously, we have more game to talk about, but just Reed, Wicks, both already looking the part as NFL receivers, which was especially needed with Christian Watson and Aaron Jones out this week. That Hollins not touchdown really kind of was a momentum shift, I think, in the entire game for both teams because it just felt like he had a vendetta the rest of the way, right? Like this is going to be the Hollins show and he played really well. Yeah, so with the Packers up 12, we're going to stop the count. Stop the show, (laughs) shut it down, and just pretend that that was the end. Uh, So the Falcons, uh, of course, are going to respond here, and they go 75 yards in eight plays. Like, the summation of all of these long drives makes me exhausted. I can't imagine how the Packers' (laughs) defensive line felt. But uh, they had the double end around Flea Flicker and the huge play to Mac Hollins where Darnell Savage misplayed the ball in the air. Really a great opportunity for him to just go up and knock it away. Instead, he tries to go for an interception. I don't know where he thought the ball was going, but he didn't judge it right. Mac Collins, big play. The Packers get the Falcons into fourth and four, but Rashawn Gary bites on the fake, and Ritter is able to score on the read option. The Packers then go three and out on a very, very ugly drive. Love misreads the coverage and missed a wide-open Dobbs, then nearly throws an interception to A.J. Terrell on third down. That seemed like a really big turning point to me. The Falcons get the ball back. They go eight plays, 44 yards. The Packers hold up and force a field goal. It's 24 to 22 Green Bay at this point. Packers go three and out on three straight A.J. Dillon runs. Mm. And then Love tried to sneak on fourth down. Josh Myers doesn't <laughs> snap it. I didn't see any of the the postgame stuff, so maybe it's out there. I would love to know what happened on that play. Uh, but the Falcons take over. They convert third and three, fourth and one, another fourth and one, and then kick the field goal. Love gets the ball back but can't complete a pass. It's turnover on downs, and the Falcons kneel the game out. 
Hello, friends. As many of you know, a few years back, the Milwaukee Bucks were in the NBA Finals, and I desperately wanted to go to Game 6 in Milwaukee to see them win the championship. As you can imagine, prices were insane, and I kept going back and forth with different apps to try and find the cheapest tickets possible. I finally found them, clicked purchase, and of course they were gone. Goodbye Game 6 of the NBA Finals. Now, thankfully, the day of the game I was able to find a ticket, but the entire thing was so expensive and way too stressful. I really wish I could have simply used Game Time to alleviate all of the stress and all of the hassle. I've started using Game Time app for purchasing all of my tickets, and I wish I would have done so sooner. From low prices to easy to find tickets to last minute ticket deals, the Game Time app is perfect for all of my ticket needs. Game Time is the place for last minute ticket deals. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and so much more. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code PACKADAY for $20 off your first purchase. That's code P-A-C-K-A-D-A-Y. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PACKADAY for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. It's finally football season, which means it's also finally daily fantasy football season. And while I get excited to play daily fantasy every year around this time, I'm even more excited this year because I'll be using prize picks for all my daily fantasy selections. Prize picks is really simple to play. You can make picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Even better, they offer ultra quick withdrawals to make all your transactions super fast and easy. Also keep an eye out for weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. My favorite, Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Before football season ramps up, I've been using Prize Picks for my MLB and college football picks as I prep for a season of winning in daily fantasy football. The experience has been amazing, and it's increased my daily enjoyment of watching Brewers and Badger games. Now, it's time to get some Jordan Love entries in prior to this weekend's game. The great thing for me is that they offer Apple Pay, which makes depositing money into my account so incredibly easy. So what are you waiting for? Join me on Prize Picks by going to prizepickscom packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepickscom packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Oh, it's so frustrating just hearing you describe it again. Uh, I mean, the thing is that the defense did get, you know, they got a couple stops if we're playing three downs. But unfortunately, you know, the Falcons knew that the Packers couldn't stop the run. And so it didn't matter that fourth and one was on the table because they knew that they could get that done. So a frustrating way to end a game. This is one of those games that's so frustrating because we can sit here and think of a dozen ways that Green Bay comes out of this one with the win, right? It really wouldn't have taken much. They had the lead. They forced Atlanta to move away from the running game at one point. It felt thing, like things were kind of going according to plan. And so many missed opportunities. They just couldn't get it done. Of course, there's always the desire to assign blame when you lose a game this way. But it felt like Matt LaFleur was clearly the better coach for about three quarters of football, right? It felt like Love was clearly the better quarterback in this football game. The offense needed to make one more play, uh, and they couldn't. The defense needed to make one more play. They came close, but they couldn't. At the end of the day, this is just a really young team, and we're hoping that they can learn and grow from this one. But uh, it's always more fun to talk about key players from a game when they're the reason that you win. 
but there are still several players who stood out today. So who were your players of the game this week, you guys? Yeah, so this is tough. I had tweeted after that defense, you know, that stand where they held Atlanta to a field goal early, that the defensive line deserved a game ball for that because that was just incredible. Kenny Clark, TJ Slayton, Devontae Wyatt, they were all generating some fantastic push, controlling the line of scrimmage. The hard part, though, is when you lose the time of possession battle by like 13 minutes, you get gassed, you give up 211 yards on the ground by the end of the game. And I'm not saying that's explicitly the defensive line. Like, this is everybody. But it definitely detracts from that really promising start that you did have. And I think the defense should be so, so good. And then you come away from winnable games like this with more questions than answers, and that kind of overcomplicates things. So not really an answer. I thought my key players for most of the game was my defensive line. Um, But then I do also just really quickly want to give Jordan Love some credit again here too, because certainly a couple moments he'll want back, obviously, like the almost pick to AJ Terrell, but largely in control of the game 14 of 25 151 yards three touchdowns 113.5 passer rating made some plays with his legs which was really fun to see Um, for lacking a lot of like true nfl game experience these moments don't feel too big for him and i felt kind of confident that he had the opportunity to you know take his shot and lead the team down with 54 seconds left and get them in field goal range like that's that's huge that's significant for somebody who's only making their second or third NFL start, and he's just going to keep getting better. So it sucks to have a loss, obviously things he wants to build on, but still think he played a really good game. Yeah, I think I think we're greedy as Packers fans, so we like we haven't given up hope that this season could end in a playoff run or even further. I think the biggest thing for this season is learning about Jordan Love, who he is. Is he the future? And I think that there's a lot of optimism that comes out of even this game. You mentioned what he was able to do with his legs. Um, I do wonder if with the running game kind of stalling out, if maybe in hindsight the coaching staff will look back and think maybe we should have dialed up a few more designed runs for you know, Jordan Love to, to create some offense in some of those spots where the running game wasn't working. But a lot of reasons to feel really good about what Jordan Love put out on the field today. Uh, Jaden Reed is my choice here. Obviously, it is tainted by not getting the win, but Reed really proved to be so valuable today, right? His speed, what he allows the offense to do with motion, the multiple places that he can line up. He was uh, back returning punts. Obviously, he had the two scores. So for me, if there's a silver lining to this game, it's Green Bay has a relatively deep arsenal of weapons for Jordan Love. They're all young, and they're only going to get better, especially as they play together and as they play with Jordan. So uh, Reed brings something different to the table. I think that's the most exciting. They haven't had a weapon like him in a while with his body type. So um, I think it's going to be really fun to see how this group grows over the next couple of years. I think that's a really exciting future for the offense. Yeah, and if you go back to May, of course, we would all be talking about how excited we are for three rookie wide receivers in the NFL really blowing it up in week two, Jaden Reed, Puka Nakua, and oh. Jalen Hyatt. Like, <laughs> what? Where it's... are the first round guys? I don't know. Anyways, uh, let's let's not hold that one against me. But, is, that a, uh, is that a Jalen Hyatt uh, brand moment? Jalen there? Hyatt had like two catches for 84 yards, so I will take yeah. it. But um, <laughs> yeah, on brand. I also really liked Puka Nakua, but uh, I digress. Anyways, I figured out I should have hammered the under on basically all of the Packers-related prize picks this week. <laughs> I did not, 
as I would never do. Uh, so that's not ideal. But I'm still working on the bonus $100 deposit I got from using code Packaday. So, you know, I'll be all right. Uh, but as far as my player of the week, I'm going to go with Dontavian Wicks. I was really high in him coming out of the draft. We haven't seen a whole lot of him because of injuries leading up to the season. But two catches for 40 yards and a touchdown is a huge game. When they don't have Christian Watson available, they needed somebody to step up. And it really was Wicks doing that behind Dobbs and Reed. I thought he looked really good today. I think this is a, yet another promising sign for these young pass catchers in Green Bay. Yeah, really, really exciting. And found himself on the receiving end of another end zone target that they weren't able to connect on. So especially with the lack of uh, field time that he's had so far this season and preseason, I do think you have to be pretty optimistic about what Wicks showed out there today. But uh, we talked about the key players. What about the key plays, guys? Where were the tipping points in this one? Obviously, didn't end up going the way the Packers. But uh, what were the key plays for you guys in this game? For me, it was the final three and out of the fourth quarter, just baffling play calling with with three straight A.J. Dillon runs. It absolutely does not work. Dillon is a great guy, so it seems he is immune from criticism, but I'm not even certain he is a, like, gets what blo- gets what is blocked for him kind of guy. He seems to miss holes for a supposed battering ram. He never seems to run out of tackles. I'm just not sure what he brings to the table at this point. 15 carries for 55 yards is just not going to get it done. And quite frankly, I think they need to start thinking about giving some of his snaps to Emmanuel Wilson, or if they don't want Wilson out there, possibly looking at picking somebody up off the street because uh, you know, we don't know when Aaron Jones is going to be back. And right now, I don't know that A.J. Dillon can be your number one, given the limitations of a lot of what this offense has going for it right now. Yeah, I'm with Andrew. I'm usually a big A.J. Dillon defender, but this was his prime opportunity, right? With Aaron Jones out, he should have shined in this game. And you can talk about the missing pieces on the offensive line. But whatever, right? At some point, those are excuses. I agree with Andrew that it feels like we know what Dylan is now, and it's starting to feel like giving his touches to another back might be more productive. But I also think it's on the coaches to be realistic about how productive Dylan was on the field when he was getting his opportunities. There was a drive late in the game where Love came out, missed a throw on first down, and then on second and 10, they dialed up an inside run to Dylan that gained one yard, right? Which is kind of what had been happening when they'd given him those touches earlier. So they're looking at third and nine, which is just a tough spot for Love to be in, in a gotta have it situation. But, you know, Dylan has just kind of been, you know, running into the backs of those guys all afternoon. So maybe a different play call is what you have to go with that in in that situation to help your quarterback out. So he's not faced with that third and nine with the game on the line. So Tough. I mean, it's it's Dylan. You love him, but it just feels like it's on him a little bit for the way that he was playing, but also the way that the coaches continued to have faith in him when they had evidence to the contrary. But I think all this also gives a little bit of clarity on why Green Bay called Indy about Jonathan Taylor. It, it seems like the Packers want to manage Aaron Jones's touches in order to keep him healthy. And it seems that Dylan isn't really the guy that you want doing the dirty work in his absence. So maybe Green Bay is looking to find that guy. I'm not sure I'm interested in the price tag that would be required for a guy like Jonathan Taylor. But after watching today's backfield, I do understand the motivation there. Um, That was a really long response to to Andrew's uh, 
play of the game. But just for me, I'll, I would like to say, for me, it was the interceptions or the lack thereof, the plays that were made um, that could have been game-changing opportunities. Uh, Quay dropped an interception, and for me, the biggest missed opportunity, Jair dropping what would have been that pick six, and that one still hurts. Well, I feel like both of those guys played well in general today. They both left some really big opportunities on the field that could have ended up being the difference in this one. And for Jair, that's why he's one of the highest paid players in the league. You've absolutely got to make that play. Yeah, I mean, I think you guys kind of said it all with the the A.J. Dillon stuff. And it's interesting because on, on the Pack-A-Day live earlier this week with Andy and Dusty, we had talked about when Aaron Jones is most effective and when, and it's when you're able to limit his number of touches because he has the ability to be explosive at any moment, but you don't want him taking 40 carries a game and running his body down because that's not who he is. He's always going to be the most productive when you can keep him for a full season and kind of play him in these particular moments because you know, he's a big play threat anytime he steps on the field, but his body is just not designed to be you know, not necessarily a bell cow where he's taking 30 snaps a game or uh, 30 rushes a game. So you hope they find someone as a compliment. You hope maybe AJ Dillon can be that guy later into the season, but it's really hard to think about, you know, re-signing someone that's only good in December, you know, like nobody wants to tackle him in December. That's fine. But climate change is real guys. Wisconsin's not cold yet. Like (laughs) he's got to be able to be productive now too, but I think for me, you know, the 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 issue or the play of the game was the Packers not taking a shot at a field goal on their opening drive. And obviously hindsight 2020, like, you know, those three points would have mattered. But I thought last week, just the straight down the center, 52 yarder from Carlson, that thing would have been good from like 65 last week. So you're playing inside, you're on turf. So it's a 56 yarder, like, let him try it, see what happens. And I get that, you know, maybe you want to give your defense a longer field. That's completely fair. That's a valid take. But the Falcons dominated time of possession, 36 minutes to 24 minutes. I think on the road, hostile environment, really young offense, you try to take the points. And especially now knowing that those points would have made the difference, and especially after you get P.I. right from the jump, it just felt like this game was so winnable. And that's why these losses can be so frustrating. But Jaden Reed, I think, said a best post game when he said something like, you know, the offense has to learn from it, not let it break them. So this was such a, a huge game for the young offense, missing three and then four of its best players with Elton Jenkins going down. So rookies made plays in really big moments. You think Carlson maybe could have made a really big play too, but a lot to like here. It sucks that this one got away from them, especially if you never want to lose to NFC opponents um, just for standings later on. We're all talking playoffs here, which is way too far down the line to even consider right now, but I think this team knows what it needs to do. So a lot to like in a loss, but as we mentioned, a lot of really head scratching things that definitely need to get sorted too. Yeah. And as much as we would of course love for the Packers to be two and oh, I think, you know, going back to the beginning of the season or the off season to say that the Packers were one and one and highly competitive in both games, I think you'd probably take that a split on the road uh, against two teams that are in similar uh, positions of as, as your team is, is good. And by the way, don't look now, but the Packers are in first place in the NFC North. Don't fact check me on that, Maggie. You look concerned. <laughs> it's it's true. 
<laughs> so lots of exciting things to come. The Packers come back home next week. Uh, we'll get to see them at Lambeau for the first time and another very winnable game. So hopefully they learn from their mistakes, get a little bit healthier, and we see them back in action. Uh, but that is all the time that we have for today. That's been the Packaday Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. You can find Maggie at Maggie J. Loney and on Pax, what she said. And you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Please subscribe to the podcast and consider giving us a five-star review. You can catch Kyle, Maggie, and myself every single Monday. And we'll be back next week to break down the Packers' week three game against the New Orleans Saints. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember... (laughs) 